Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you You'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 120 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it is an absolute pleasure to bring you yet another incredible episode. And what an incredible week it has been in cruise this week. We'll have Chris on the line in just a second to talk all things cruise news, and he's bringing some great maritime history with him this week as well. Um, but also, once again, a thank you to those of you that are listening, liking, and subscribing in your favorite podcast app. I really appreciate it, and thank you uh, to those of you that are also sharing it uh, with the people that you think may appreciate the podcast. Uh, it's great to hear from listeners all over the world enjoying the, the show, and if you want to be a part of the show, don't forget, all you need to do is send us a message via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, Click on join the show and you can send through a question for myself or Chris. You can send in a, t- uh, a topic for maritime history. Or if you want to discuss your most recent cruise experience, you're more than welcome to uh, to do so as well. Uh, encourage each and every one of you to be a p- part of the show wherever possible. But let's get straight into it because we've got a lot of news to get through this week and let's get Chris on the line. Enjoy the show. Chris Frame, welcome back. Thanks so much. It's good to be back. It is, and we're ship recording in, ship, ship in the uh, west coast of Australia at the moment. It is, yes, and uh, we're recording a day early, so it's on Friday, the uh, 28th of October, and you are absolutely right. Coral Princess is currently docked in Fremantle Harbour. She's been here all day. I was just down in Fremantle myself, had a little uh, sneaky visit to uh, to the, the port, not to the ship, unfortunately, um, but uh, yeah, she's looking great, and Fremantle is buzzing with activity, so it's so, so good to see a bit of normality uh, around uh, the, the, the maritime history in particular passenger shipping here in Fremantle so congratulations nice. to all um, obviously there's a bit of doom and gloom in the press we'll get to that when we get to cruise news oh um, sure yes but, of uh, course <laughs> as our listeners will know the press here in Australia do love to try and bag a cruise ship when they can but uh, I think they're they're barking up the wrong tree there's not really an awful lot to report myself but yeah as I say we'll get there in uh, in no in the we'll get there in just a minute um sure 
let's kick this off with maritime history. And of course, we have been speaking for, for quite some time about the history and uh, the, the celebration of Holland America's uh, landmark uh, occasion that is happening uh, this week. In fact, they arrived, of course, into New York uh, just mm. a day or so ago as we're recording this. Uh, but of course, we're talking about Holland America um, and uh, celebrating the, the establishment of its services back in 1873. Yes, so 150 years next year, but they're doing the the they're kicking off the celebrations a little bit early, of course, mm. with the um, that arrival from that transatlantic crossing over into New York, which is very exciting. Some great pictures coming out from uh, Holland America at the moment from from that occasion. Yeah, um, but as you say, the the company was established in in Rotterdam all the way back in 1873. Uh, so it was, um, you know. By, by virtue of the way people used to travel back then, uh, ocean liner transportation and, mm-hmm. and shipping um, as a way to move goods and services around the world was the predominant form of uh, large-scale global travel. Um, so this was the, the, the Dutch um, contribution towards that and, and became a very um, popular shipping line. In fact, it was um, a Dutch-owned company mm-hmm. uh, all the way up until uh, 1989, so from 1873 to 1989, it uh, was based there um, and and became sort of like the national line for uh, for that part of the world. Um, they they have a few sort of really interesting um, sort of points that I thought we could touch on that that link into um, you know this this special occasion, this arrival into New York, um, of course. That service from um, Europe over to America and Canada was the great uh, migration of people mm-hmm. from the old world to the new. Yep. Um, this was, of course, um, happening across many, many European countries. But uh, Holland America themselves, in their first twenty-five years of service, carried you know over four hundred thousand uh, people. And these weren't <laughs> big ships back in the day, were they? <laughs> No, no, they weren't. The, these were um, compared to today's ships. They, I mean, they're all smaller than Holland America's smallest ship in their fleet now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, of course, that's where the name comes from as well. Holland America is that link between the, the, the those two parts um, of the world as that migration happened. Um, America had, um, you know, very uh, United States of America had very open migration um, policies all the way up until the era around World War. One when mm-hmm. they they finally imposed um, they started to impose some immigration quotas. So that first sort of period of Holland America's uh, history was a period of mass movement around the world, and for them to be you know they, they're quite often overlooked by some of the um, other shipping lines in terms of that contribution, but mm-hmm. their contribution was significant. It was massive and um, many, many people living in the United States and in Canada now can, of course, trace their heritage back to a, uh, a voyage on a Holland America ship, Baz. Mm. Um, now, of course, um, this this uh, transatlantic service meant that they became a global um, shipping player. They were, you know, well-known um, around the world as a as a, as a company that had <clears throat> links with other shipping companies and um, was able to sort of form part of that international transportation that was uh, so heavily reliant on ships. Um, they did, like many of these shipping lines, they had some famous ships that, that were um, that were very, very sort of much loved at the time. Um, one example I thought I'd highlight is the, the 36,000-ton New Amsterdam, which um, 
entered service in 1937. And the 30s was a challenging time for passenger shipping because they were still recovering from the impact of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. But New Amsterdam, and interestingly enough, the Queen Mary, which is my other um, favorite, became became two of the most loved ships on that transatlantic run. And the two ships, you know, sort of um, two different companies, two different sizes and scales, but they both uh, really sort of um, had a loyal following and became very, very vibrant, um, popular ships on that North Atlantic passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, that all came to an, that all came to an end with World War II, um, when many of the ships were requisitioned for for trooping services. Um, Holland America ships were were no different; they were utilised during World War II. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, um, my granddad actually travelled on the New Amsterdam um, from. Oh, really? Yeah, during the war, during the trooping service from from South Africa up to um, the the Gulf of Suez, uh, which is actually where he saw the Georgic, which had just been bombed, um, the White Star Line Georgic, which mm-hmm. we've spoken about before. Yeah, yeah. And he he captured some pictures, a little box camera. He captured some pictures of the ship on fire as the New Amsterdam sailed past. So, wow. um, an interesting little family connection there with Holland America Line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, this wasn't the safe thing for these these ships to be doing during World War Two, and um, at the end of the war, um, I think they had something like twenty five ships to start with, and they ended up with nine at the end of the um, end of World War Two. So a lot of ships were lost. It was very tragic. Yeah, course. there's an incredible video of um, them trans- transforming one of the ships to be a troop carrier and then mm. reverting back to, to passenger services. It's uh, it's in the archive somewhere on the Holland America website. To take a look if anybody gets a chance. Yeah, because it was huge work, you know, to like bring the ship in and then work out how they're going to repurpose the interior for the trooping numbers. Of course, they carried way more people on board than they'd ever been designed for. So they had to work out how to do sort of sleeping accommodation and Mm -hmm. food service. Um, On these troop ships, they would have, they would have zones on board where troops were allocated to, to, to different zones and they could only move out of their zone when there was, when there was permission given because of stability and of course (laughs) airflow and that sort of stuff. Um, all of the carpeting had to be protected with um, wooden planking. They had uh, taken out all of the, of, you know, valuable items and of, of um, you know, historic value and that sort of thing from yep. from the ship. Um, you know, big beautiful chandeliers and that sort of stuff would have been t- removed and replaced with, with basic lighting mm-hmm. um, to sort of make it suitable for that. And then, of course. Um, there was a dangers of sailing around waters where there was U-boats and all that sort of thing. So very, very, um, you know, hair-raising experiences that some of them had. Mm. Um, then after the war, they, 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 you know, they survived World War II. After the war, they were able to start rebuilding. Um, in 1959, it took a while to get sort of like um, shipping to really move to the next sort of phase of development design because of course there'd been so much damage done during the war yeah but in 1959 they, they launched um the, the rotterdam which is of course their flagship um the, the grand dame rotterdam is what i'm referring to of course um, yeah. which is that dual purpose liner that's still there in in the city of rotterdam as a floating hotel now but she she was beautiful and very very popular from memory she was um, rotterdam five i think wasn't she from memory? yes that's yeah. right yep rotterdam five um there's been a number of them that's like the historic name um, yep. that the company utilizes throughout its history is the flagship generally is, is known as the Rotterdam. Um, and look, she saw them all the way through and that until the, until the acquisition in 1989 by Carnival Corporation, 
Um, a decade before, actually, they'd actually divested their cargo interests. So when they were purchased in 1989, they, they were a, a, a cruise or a passenger shipping company only. Mm-hmm. Um, and Car- Carnival bought them for 1.2 billion guilders, which, of course, was the currency at the time. Yeah, before the <laughs> um, euro? It equate, yeah, it equates to about, I think, 350 million euros. So um, a bargain, really, when you think about yeah. What they're getting, but of course, this is 1989. Money, money um, values changed and stuff since then, and that was a massive change for the company because its uh, headquarters was was relocated from uh, the Netherlands for the first time and over to to Seattle in the United States, and it really became um, sort of a, a, a brand more than a more than a shipping company in in the in the sense of it doesn't have that line voyages anymore mm-hmm. it became a cruising brand but it it connects so well with the the history and the heritage um and it has a, a massively loyal following of people i mean i think when i first met you you were you were working with holland america line yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely uh, there are people that i know that 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 just love them <clears throat> You know more than any other brand out there, and I think a lot of that has to do with that heritage and that style of service that they've carried over from those days. Yeah. Um, so it's um it's wonderful for them to be celebrating their 150th anniversary next year because it just shows the the longevity of that style of service that they still preserve to this day. Yeah, and of course, uh, as you talk about regularly, Cunard has the connection to the the the, the UK, the British royal family. Um, Holland America still got the connections to what they refer to as the House of Orange, and the, the color mm. orange is very much featured in a lot of uh, of what Holland America does on board. So yeah, there's so many tradition, discrete traditions that are still mm. um, found on board and throughout everything that Holland America does today, even though it is a very very different company. It's uh, yeah, a lot to a lot to take in sometimes, but uh, yeah, steeped in history. And uh, I do like the look- fact that. I, so I was going to say I do like the fact that for this for this anniversary they've actually made such a big deal out of the history because that is something that I think a lot of people don't quite realise and it it, yeah. it does set them apart from so many of the newer cruise brands. Absolutely, yeah, no, no. And uh, if anybody's heading out on a Holland America cruise and wants to tell us about their experience, of course, we'd always welcome you to to be a part of the show. Uh, simply get in touch uh, via the website, of course. Awesome stats there, Chris. Uh, love that. As you know, Holland America's uh, particularly fond of mine, as is Cunard to you. So uh, great to, to share that with the listeners. Let's take a, a very short break. We'll be back with the latest cruise news, and we'll, we'll have some cruise news from Holland America to kick it off. Sounds good. Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, if you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, we use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, and in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, and in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about... 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars Um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance Okay, Chris, back into cruise news. As I mentioned, we're going to kick it off with uh, some news around Holland America. It is, of course, around the 150th anniversary. And 
not dissimilar to some of their other brands within the Carnival Corporation, they've launched a celebratory anniversary beer. Yes, a Pilsner. Um, Hal Pils is what it's called. <laughs> um, it's made in partnership with Pike Brewing, um, and they've got them um, being launched on board using the um, anniversary, 150th anniversary special um, edition uh, can. It's a commemorative can. So I suppose if you purchase one and don't open it in the 200th anniversary, it might be worth something. <laughs> um, but no, it's, um, it's it, as you say, it's something that we've spoken about for some of the Carnival Corp brands, um, particularly I know you and I got to sample um, P&O Australia's um, mm-hmm. special, special beer. So it's uh, a bit like that. But this one, of course, launching uh, in line with the 150th anniversary makes it that little bit extra special. Yeah, and of course, it's uh, uh, encompassing the nautical blue dress colors of Holland America, which they're famous for for the hulls of the ships, of course. And uh, it's got a little twist on the the, the Holland America logo as well. Uh, Sticking with Holland America, we've got some great news, and I love this one. (laughs) (laughs) A service dog sails into elite status with more than 700 cruise days with Holland America. Yes, I wonder where they um, would attach. I guess the collars where they will attach the, uh, the special commemorative pin. <laughs> um, so this is um, Josca the dog, uh, the service dog, um, has travelled on board um, Holland America ships enough to get the get the uh, honour of being in that um, uh, platinum uh, medallion um, <laughs> tier uh, with Holland America line. Um, and it was uh, there was a special sort of commemoration. Uh, Obviously, those at Holland America are, are dog lovers, so they, they had Rotterdam's captain there, um, as well as uh, representatives from the company and the family that owned the dog, um, Connie and Cornelius. <laughs> so that was um, a special occasion there. So officially a five-star mariner. takes uh, quite a lot of sea days to get there, but yeah, awesome. 700 days. Uh, I don't know how many days I've done at sea, but it's certainly nowhere near that, that's for sure. That is one well-traveled dog. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a maritime history link there too, you know, because these old ocean liners, including the the um, the Holland America fleet, I mean, first-class passengers could take their dogs with them across the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, immigration and, and quarantine wasn't what it um, what it is today. And, and even in 2019, Baz, when I did the transatlantic on Queen Mary 2, what I did find interesting is that there was there was um, eight, I think it was, dogs on board. Mm-hmm. Um on our trip and the the passengers with the dogs actually got through immigration quicker than we did so there's um you know there's there's a benefit to traveling with a with your four-legged friend (laughs) because with qm2 the they only carry uh dogs and cats on the transatlantic they don't carry them on normal general day-to-day cruising do they exactly no so i mean there's there's ship companies out there that um you know, multiple that will allow you to have service animals, but yeah. when it comes to transiting the dogs as part of like um, transportation, yeah. Queen Mary Two is the only um, ship that has like a dedicated kennel, kennel for the transatlantic yeah. service. But yeah, it's not for cruises. It's just if you're moving from Britain to America or America to Britain, you take your dog with you. Yeah. yeah, awesome. As we touched on in the the start of the show, I've uh, just been down to Fremantle to to uh, take in the the sights of the first cruise ship to come back uh, to Western Australia. Of course, that is Coral Princess, and there's been quite a bit of uh, unnecessary hysteria in the local media. Mm. Australian press, as we touched on, uh, do like a, a, a bad cruise story, for want of a better word. Um, of course, what's going on with Coral Princess, Chris? So there's a small number of passengers on board Coral Princess that have COVID at the moment um, now. Like, I don't know what listeners from the rest of the world are thinking right now, but <laughs> um, in Australia, we've we've opened up, we've um, we've re- removed our um, many of the restrictions. People now no longer have to check in 
to um, pubs or clubs or movie theaters or hotels or you know with with the um, with the COVID apps that we used to use. Yeah. Um, there's no mask mandates. Um, they don't check your vaccination status for going out and about in the public anymore. And yet, when a, when a cruise ship the first one back into Western Australian waters, but also like one of the main cruise ships that's here at the moment when, when there's a small a number of passengers who, I mean, you know, presumably boarded the ship in Australia, um, <laughs> get, get COVID on Australia, board, yeah. it becomes uh, national. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it becomes national news. And um, as you say, it's a little bit um, hysterical, really, um, when you think about the fact that I've just checked um, – just then, Baz, on the on the um, Western Australian Department of Health website, that oh, yeah. there's um, five thousand eight hundred and twenty three cases in Western new new cases in Western Australia um, <laughs> up to um, the twenty seventh of October for the week leading up to the twenty seventh of October. And, yep. But but a couple of um, you know a couple of hundred cases on board a, on board a cruise ship makes such huge um, media interest. So. Um, take take that as you will, I suppose. <laughs> and as you say, they the, the cruise lines are doing the right thing. They're still testing. They're still self-reporting where nobody else is in the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's not really impacting services too much, but the, the media here have gone a little bit crazy, for, for want of a better word. Um, the ship has also had a little bit of um, bad luck in the weather that we're having here in WA. So if they did actually miss uh, Geraldton yesterday. Due to very very strong winds um, and apparently unseasonally mm-hmm. strong winds. That's pretty winds. classic for Geraldton, though. I mean, Geraldton's <laughs> got some rough winds. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, known, for, of course, for kite surfing. That's uh, for mm. the, the major sporters up there. Um, and we're expected to to receive a severe storm overnight. So Coral isn't actually leaving Fremantle today. She's going to overnight, and the passengers are going to enjoy an extra day in port to avoid the worst of the weather out at sea mm. as they head around the the southwest coast there. You know, a couple of years back, well, probably about a decade ago now, I um, went up to Geraldton. Uh, the, the two airlines that were flying up there from from Perth were um, was was SkyWest, which yes. is now part of Virgin Australia, um, and uh, and and Qantas Link. And the two of them had um, propeller planes flying up. So there was a mm. the, the Fokker fifties, and there was the Dash eights, and as the day progressed, we went up in the morning. As the day progressed, it was it was a work trip, so. You know, only going to be there for 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 the for the day, and then fly back in the evening. Yep. But you notice the trees started to bend over a lot more as the winds pick up, and you're thinking, oh, this is getting pretty rough, the wind and the weather. <laughs> um, and sure enough, we get a we get a phone call from from the airline um, saying that the flights have been cancelled. You'll have to overnight. So we we had to go and work out where we're going to stay and what we're going to do, and had no like toothbrushes or anything like that. So. Um, after we organized accommodation, we went to the local um, shopping center that's there, and the shopping center was fairly deserted. So we went in and got our, you know, whatever you needed for the night. Yeah. Um, and as we were leaving, we realized that the reason why is because everyone was in the bottle shop, and the bottle shop was being like raided. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> was buying beer and wine and stuff for, for to, to hunker down with because it was a it was a kind of a, a cyclone coming down the coast that was causing all the all the winds. Um, <laughs> And then we got to the hotel. It's a new hotel, and the lady that was at the check-in desk, she says to us, look, if it gets really bad during the night, you might want to move from the first floor down into the corridor on the second floor. And I'm like, um, what kind of night are we expecting here? But as it turned out, it wasn't as bad as that. It was it was rough winds and, and, and um, you know, a memorable <laughs> evening, but uh, but nothing quite as severe as that. And the next morning, we were able to fly back um, 
back safely on Qantas. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the pub was the place to, the uh, bottle shop rather was the place to be. <laughs> Love it. Um, we're moving on to Virgin Voyages next. And um, <laughs> of course, they have just welcomed Valiant Lady to Miami for the first time. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, she's going to be, it's it's, it's still to this day, um, the the cruise capital of the world really i mean miami was the port that made the big difference um historically yep. ships used to sail out of new york and they would make the the days long voyage down to the caribbean and it took them the new cruise lines um that came into the market to go hang on a minute why why don't we use miami it's right there on the doorstep yeah, yeah. and and all this time later it's still the leading um the leading port mm. um so yeah she, she's utilizing the new terminal five and um will be will be uh, operating her um, Mermaiden Voyage, which is what they're referring to. <laughs> um, and they're also sort of timing it with things like the Halloween um, celebrations. Um, and they've got an attempt um, to break the Guinness World Record for the most mermaids in one place at their um, at their beach club. <laughs> awesome. Okay. <laughs> of course, Valiant Classic Lady. Virgin, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the Valiant Lady is, of course, the second ladyship of uh, the Virgin Fleet. Number three is currently uh, under final stages of construction. Mm. Number four is already underway. So uh, we've spoken before about how Virgin started uh, pretty much on the dawn of the pandemic and has, has managed to, to to successfully launch uh, the, the brand and the ships. And uh, it was good to see Virgin Voyages here in Perth, uh, Western Australia, just about a week or so ago and, and mm. learn everything that's happening in the preparation for the Ladyship 3 uh, to, to come down to Australia, which is uh, going to be very exciting. Yeah, because you went to a, an interesting event, didn't you, where they, they yeah. talked you through all of that. Yeah. At the same no, time, I was at a Cunard uh, premiere of um, uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris as part of their sponsorship of the uh, uh, um, film festival, British film festival. So we yeah. were both busy doing cruise stuff that night. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, let's move on to uh, to Europe next, Chris. We've got a bit of news out of MSC today about MSC Eurobia, or Eurobia. Uh She's commencing uh, sales of her maiden season and some pretty good savings around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, this ship's interesting, Baz, because it's um, their second LNG-powered ship. Mm. This is a sort of a trend that things are starting to move towards um, uh, using LNG as the fuel rather than, than diesel. Um, so basically what that means is that if you compared it to another ship of the same scale but it was powered by the traditional fuels, yep. um, the LNG ships save about 25% on um CO2 emissions, so awesome uh, like for like, yeah, much better than than the than the diesel ships, um, and uh, they're celebrating this with fifty percent off the cruise fare for the second passenger bears. Mm, good news, good news around. Um, interesting. Uh, the I believe the cost of uh, LNG is substantially higher than uh, marine grade oil, so be interesting to see if these these newer ships, whilst they're doing the right thing for the environment, if uh, we're going to start seeing cruise fares kind of slowly creep up uh, to to make make way for the the, the difference in the the cost of bunkering or this uh, additional cost. I think the thing is though that there's like so much more awareness now around environmental concerns yeah. that they've probably realized that if they don't start transitioning now they're going to end up in a situation where they have a fleet of ships that no one will want to travel on yeah because point. well maybe not no one but like you know people are more and more aware of their yeah. of what the impact on the environment is and it's a very good it's like a good move it's a logical move for the long term i think because reputational damage can do so much more um harm than good so i think um you know, it may, it may well see see some increases, but I, I do think that um, that it's it's pushing it in the right direction. And what's interesting is if you look back at um, 
sort of 20 years ago uh, when they were developing new ships, they started to play with the idea of gas turbines. Mm. Um, uh, and the and it was a sort of hybrid power plants, which is one of the one of the things that's interesting about, say, the Coral Princess, yeah. is that she has the gas the gas power plant as well as the as well as the diesel power plant. But gas the gas turbines are so um, expensive to run. I think LNG sort of sits in the middle oh, okay. um, because it, it can be fed into a more traditional engine style than having to use the big um, sort of jet grade um, yep. turbine, uh, but. Um, but is more efficient, obviously, and more and more fuel, uh, more environmentally friendly than the diesel. So I think that might be the sort of the nice middle ground that they managed yeah. to find themselves. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Um, just touching back on uh, the new ship there for MSC, MSC Eurobuyers. She's uh, going to be top, departing Hamburg on the fifteenth of October, twenty twenty three, for a nine night cruise, um, which will take in uh, Rotterdam, Le Havre, Paris, Southampton in the UK, amongst mm. some of the, the first ports of call there. So uh, jump uh, into your local travel agent if you want more information on that particular cruise. Uh, Have you staying- travelled MSC? I haven't, and actually, I was just talking to somebody tonight about uh, MSC who had sailed on them for the first time, and actually, really, really enjoyed it. And yeah. it's not that I don't want to travel; I just never had the opportunity. And I think, um, I think I'd actually quite like it because I'm mm. a big fan of Europe. Um, mm. I prefer the European style of food versus the American. So I think, yeah, uh, yeah I think I'd, I'd quite favour it. I might look into yeah. it for next year, maybe. You know, Emma from Emma Cruises; she's been on quite a few, and her her videos of the her experience on board looks really great. I, I'd also like to give it a try. Oh. we need to uh, put that on the to do list for sure. <laughs> And let's stay with Europe again, Chris. Uh, the uh, the German-speaking brand of Carnival Corporation, of course, is Aida, a close uh, sister of Costa. And um, they're talking about the World Cruise and 24-25 on board Aida Mar. Yes, they are. So, um, you know, the ship's departing from Hamburg on this 117-day World world Cruise. Love it. Um, so interesting and, and fantastic to, to see, uh, like, these ships, um, it's the larger of their Sphinx class, um, going on these world cruises, but also departing from ports that, like, I mean, Hamburg obviously is, is, a, is a big maritime port, but there's more and more destinations and departure points that are being established as many more cruise lines start to take on the world cruise, mm-hmm. which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, what's really interesting is uh, they, they've, uh, Aida has sent us some highlights that they're sharing with their European guests in terms of where this. Uh, where this voyage goes, and they're all from our part of the world, which I, I think was just is quite, thinking about, yeah. is quite cool. <laughs> Obviously, we, this part of the world must seem quite exotic for people who are living living far away. Um, uh, and it is a beautiful part of the world. Obviously, like New Zealand makes makes a number of mentions here because New Zealand is an absolutely spectacular country and a wonderful place to visit. Um, so they've they've highlighted um, Littleton, which is the port for Christchurch, yep. um, and, and access there to the Avon River. Um, there's Napier, which is um, uh, very sort of well-established. It's got some, yep. Yeah, some beautiful architecture there from the 30s, Baz. Um, and um, and then there's also, um, you know, they have, a, they have a nice blend there of the Art Deco sort of European style, but also um, they've introduced uh, flavors from the, from the Maori um, style of architecture as well with, with patterns throughout the city. So... Um, that's interesting, and then also the the ability to access um, the Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. the Hobbit movies at Hobbiton, um, which is um, you know a fantastic place to visit as well. And then one of the other ports that they've they've highlighted here is is Melbourne, which is yeah. uh, nice you know for us here in Australia to to get a mention, which is great. 
Well, it's very European, Melbourne, of course. It would appeal with uh, our European friends. It's uh, got a great, uh, great vibe. And uh, yeah, if anybody has not been to Melbourne, highly recommend you ticket off. Just prepare for the for the all seasons of weather because it can be very, very changeable. Yeah, absolutely. And then they've also they've also noted, of course, that the ship will be going through the South Pacific as well. So there's um, you know beautiful um, islands that they'll be visiting throughout the South Pacific too. So um, I think people are very excited to be to be coming to our part of the world once again. Mm. I remember going into um, to Napier once, and uh, the the locals brought down all the vintage cars and were in uh, vintage dress, and yeah, it, was, it really mm. added to the whole theme of that Art Deco era that uh, that particular part of New Zealand is famous for. So, yeah, and New Zealand gives a, a, the cruise ships a great welcome. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there's cruise ships in New Zealand again now, and I've seen quite a few sort of updates. Um, uh, from a round of um, you know, businesses that are just so happy to see them back, and it's the impact that it's making uh, to to the local sort of tourism economy is 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 great. Um, the last time I was in New Zealand was in um, January 2020, so there was heaps of cruise ships around before the the big shutdown. So, actually, looking forward to going back on the Queen Elizabeth uh, next year back to New Zealand, which would be great. Yeah, sounds sounds good. Um, the next bit of news, Chris, I have no idea what this is referring to. And uh, Carnival Conquest, which of course is uh, not one of the newer ships, is actually uh, one of the the, the, the strong uh, ships of the fleet. She's um, she's introducing the first pickleball course. What the hell is pickleball? Well, it's um, I didn't know either, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Do we call it something uh, different down here, or is it a new sport? <laughs> Well, it's actually it's a it's it's an indoor or outdoor racket paddle sport. So it's a bit like paddle tennis, I suppose. Oh, okay, right. Um, I'm probably gonna have we're probably gonna have listeners who Correct are us. American <laughs> and are gonna be writing and going, "It's not paddle tennis. What are you talking about?" Um, but that's the best way I can describe it. So, like, if you, if, I mean, I can see pictures of it. Um, it's it's sort of bat, uh, uh, paddles uh, rackets that don't have holes in them. Yeah, um, there's no strings. You're standing. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, there's like a net. You're standing much closer than you would be in tennis. Um, but, I mean, many cruise ships have had um, paddle tennis, but this one here is obviously slightly slightly more, um, uh, you know, specialized in terms of the way it's been put together. Mm, okay. They say it, it combines elements of tennis, badminton, and ping pong. So, um, look, I, I would be welcoming anyone who's played to to <laughs> write in so maybe we can get an interview as to what it's like to play uh, play this particular <laughs> game yeah but absolutely but uh, of course carnival conquest is the first uh, uh ship that we know of to have the pickleball court so it'll be interesting to see if it is that popular that uh, other ships pick up on it and add it to their uh, onboard entertainment program as well uh, next up, Chris Costa have arrived, or Costa have advised that they're going to be arriving into Toronto in 2023. Yeah, it's a very famous, uh, very historic um, part of of the world. Um, it was founded all the way back in the eighth century by the Spartans, um, oh. if you can believe. <laughs> so it's kind of got a, a blend of um, of Greek uh, heritage and, of course, Italian as well. Um, and this will be sort of a, a new. Um, destination for for costa bringing their italian flagships into into this italian port um and and it will allow them to offer a series of voyages out to the greek islands so um keeping that connection there going between them between those two regions 
Of course, yeah. So many places in that particular part of the world have got so much influence from various different uh, countries and colonies that invaded and brought different aspects of life to to the island. So, uh, yeah, be, uh, I've not come across that particular destination myself. So, uh, mm. I think I need to add that one to my uh, to do list as well. Yeah, so many more. Like, I mean, just the cruising options just keep opening up. And I think, you know, even now, it's funny. We I speak to people who have still got that image in their minds of cruises being for the older older yeah. generation on on ships where you were very formal and that sort of thing and of course that still exists but there's just so many options from so many ports from so many different types of yeah. people and to see it kind of bouncing back after the pandemic and still have that level of um robustness and um and dynamism around what they're offering is really reassuring Absolutely. Um, we're moving on to uh, to Princess Cruises next. Of course, for those people in Australia and North America that are falling in love with the love boat, um, or the real love boat as it's been built, um, you've uh, now got an opportunity to sail on uh, the new iteration of the Sun Princess as uh, Princess have announced the uh, the remainder of the season. Of course, they tease us with just a few sailings when they uh, first launched the ship. Uh, the rest of the season is now available, and we can choose to cruise from November of 2022 Sorry, they go on sale in November of 22 for voyages through to September of 2024. Yes, this is a big ship. It's 175,500 tons. Mm. So, I mean, it's pushing that um, that envelope there. Obviously, not not the biggest in the world, but um, the biggest for for Princess so Princess, far. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Which is um, which is an interesting new new design that brings um, that. Sun Princess name back, which of course is so beloved from the Sun class mm-hmm. for those years. Um, anyway, as you were saying, the 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 voyages include um, ten day Mediterranean sailings, seven day Mediterranean sailings. They've got European explorer trips um, between the Mediterranean and and Southampton in the UK. Um, they've got voyages between uh, that depart from Rome. And they've got round trip. Tri- uh, round, Round trip voyages um, in the Iberian um, Peninsula and Iberian Passage. So there's lots and lots of options there that are available now for um, Sun Princess. Yeah, as you say, voyages there from seven days through to, to 23 days and more. So uh, uh, have a little look and see what takes your fancy because I'm sure there's a few nice ports of call that I wouldn't mind revisiting mm. on that little list that I see in front of me. If only there was enough time in the wolf to do more. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Penance is a regular feature on the podcast. They've uh, had some uh, great new experiences designed for passengers on their latest expedition ship, La Commandante Charcot. Yes, it's explore to inspire um, philosophies being taken to the next level here, the number of different um, experiences. Uh, this particular one that they're referring to um, builds connections and links between the passengers on board, the local communities that they're visiting, and the nature in that area. Um, so it's kind of like a, they're, they're building it as a voyage within a voyage. So it's sort of you're taking the, the trip on the ship, um, but then you can then go and explore the areas as a sort of semi-voyage within itself okay. to get that more in-depth uh, experience in that particular area. And this is, of course, um, all focusing on Greenland and the eastern coast there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And of course, so much easier to do on a small ship because you are very much more connected to the local communities that you get to, mm. just to the nature of the the size of the ship and the places that uh, that you visit there. Um, we've Actually, got... I had a I had a question. Um, you're speaking about small ships, and then we've been speaking about big ships. I had a question from a um, from a from a friend actually today. Oh yeah. Um, they're thinking of doing a cruise to the Norwegian fjords, yeah. and they were wondering whether or not they should do 
that is from, from Britain, and they're wondering if they should do like the bigger ships of P&O or Cunard, whether they should look at the smaller ships um, such as Hertogruten or um, you know Seaborn or Silver Sea because of that particular region. And, you know, I've just talked to them about mm. the benefits of all of them, but like, do, do you have, with your experience, would you have a recommendation from them? I do, and I'm a little bit biased, I think, because I had yeah. a very, I had an incredible experience on Hurtigruten, um mm. sailing up the Norwegian coast. And I think sailing Norway on a Norwegian ship with Norwegian mm. crew who go above and beyond to bring the region to life. They are so proud of where they live, where they work, what that cruise line represents to the the, the Norwegian communities that they visit. I honestly think it's a very different experience. Don't get me wrong. It's not a cruise ship experience in the way that you've got your, your Broadway mm. shows and your five different restaurants and entertainments galore. It is a very different experience, but I think they showcase their own country so well and so respectfully that I think I'd probably sway that way. I'm so glad you said that because I, when we were going through them all, I said, you know, you should think about Hurtigruten because it is based there. It's a yeah. local – and I actually talked a bit about the benefits of the smaller ships that do that sort of um, service to the different communities as well. So they go into ports that most of the yeah. big cruise lines don't go to. Um, but I had never traveled with them before. So, yeah, there we go. I'll, ah. let, um, I'll let them know to listen to the podcast. You can get an answer from Baz. <laughs> <laughs> and admittedly, I've never done a, a, a traditional cruise line in Norway. I'm sure it would still be a great experience, but I just don't know that it would be that personal. And uh, having mm. that, that different level of connection, I think, is is what would make the difference. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> and um, Silver Sea's got some great news around their latest expedition ship, which is, of course, the uh, Silver Endeavour, touted as the most luxurious expedition ship ever built. And, of course, she was originally built for Crystal, but uh, with everything that went on with Crystal, uh, has been acquired by Silver Sea. Yes, the Silver Endeavour, she's been... Um but the design of the ship was created to allow it to go to very remote areas of the world. So it will kind of take that Silver Sea experience, of course, one of the higher rated cruise lines around there, mm-hmm. um, up to that next uh, next level. But they're talking a little bit about the interior and ex- experience on board the ship. So they've got a, um, a, a beautiful main dining venue, um, seats up to 192 passengers at, at any particular time. Um, it's got a very unique name. The restaurant. <laughs> Indeed. Very, very very interesting. I love the way that they've been, um, you know, very, um, uh, um, what is it called, when, you, when you're being very literal <laughs> with the naming of their, of their restaurant. <laughs> but um, it's over 385 meters squared for a ship this size. Of course, that, that makes it a, um, yeah, decent you know, size. a fairly decent size for the, for the scale of the ship. Um, then they've got a... Um, uh, they've got a French. They, they, so basically, they're, they're talking a lot about their different dining options on board. So they've got a French uh, restaurant as well on board. They've got a grill, um, and then they've got their arts cafe, which is sort of a um, classic styled coffee shop, but it's a bit more of an upmarket kind of take on that. And it has the beautiful um, uh, full height windows there as well to allow you to have excellent views over mm. your um, over your uh, destination. Yeah, so uh, moving on from the restaurant, you've got El Terrazzino, you've got La Dame, which is the, the French-inspired cuisine. You've got the grill that you touched on there, and of course the Arts Cafe to, mm. to wrap that one up. Um, and that 
is all we had. I thought we actually had very little cruise news this week, but it was actually quite a quite a lot of news to get through. Uh, but the best news of the week, of course, is uh, for yourself, Chris, because you had some incredible news this week. Anybody that follows you on socials will, uh, of course, maybe already know this, but uh, a leading UK cruise vlogger, Gary Bembridge, uh, who I do also follow as well, um, mm. actually collated all of the stats for YouTubers around the world. And uh, what's the news for you? I know. So, I mean, Gary's been the sort of, um, you know, the, the leading um, YouTuber with his tips for travelers. Um, he has to be one of the first, surely, because he, he... I think he is. I mean, I honestly do. He, he, he actually used to... It was a blog originally. Tips for Travelers was a blog. And I actually met him um, online via um, our book. So, we'd published our oh, yeah. QE2 book and he did, he did a lovely review of our book and we... we kind of connected up that way and so i've known him since pre-youtube days but his channel sort of started off with him doing sort of like just just phone style commentary and vlogs whilst he was on board um the ships i know there was a wonderful one that he did on, on qe2 and then there's trips on queen mary 2 and then of course all the european and british um cruise cruise ships as well but it's it's morphed into this just library style um, index of what to and what not to do on for cruising for every mm-hmm. single topic you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got you know hundreds of thousands of subscribers, which is which is wonderful, and and, and is a leading channel in terms of subscriber count. So, yeah. um, and, and he gives back to the sort of community by giving advice and updates and and inspiration to others. So he puts together each each year using the the, the YouTube analytics, um, he's able to to um, identify the hundred top cruise vlogger channels mm-hmm. um and uh yeah my my channels um it's made number 40 globally but what was really exciting for us and um got me quite um inspired for 2023 is that it's the number one channel in australia yeah um, yeah i know right and a lot awesome. of that comes down to obviously the big cruise podcast connection as well because you know it is it is affiliate you know we we are the, we're the same people so we um we have similar voyages and that sort of stuff and there's a lot of crossover between the two and it's it's definitely um, benefited from the listeners here so thank you so much to everyone um but you know it was a, it was about a thousand subs in in 2019 so over the pandemic we've um we've grown quite considerably and it's just clocked over 8.1 million views so um, awesome. <laughs> you know that's people I mean, watching Ford videos globally is bloody impressive mate you got to take that as a win as well like yeah number 40 globally and number one in australia so yeah you know, out well of all of the channels and all of the parts of the world and our, our little little corner of youtube is um is getting getting noticed which is nice yeah awesome news well done no you definitely deserve it you put a lot of time and energy into that channel and uh your your viewers definitely appreciate it and of course we appreciate having your your knowledge on the podcast as well so uh awesome news really really happy for you mate thanks so much and thanks to everyone for their support Awesome, Chris. That's, uh, of course, uh, a great high note to end on. Um, That is all the cruise news we have for this week. Uh, We are getting quite late into the evening here in Western Australia, so let's call it a day for now. Um, You're heading off for a little weekend away, so enjoy that, and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up at the, the same time next week. Sounds great. Take care, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.